And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters. Welcome back to my lovely listeners and welcome back to me after a fabulous uh, holiday that we had. 11 years it took. That's what happens when you have a small business. 11 years between holidays. But it was fabulous and um, I'm really glad to be back in the studio. And again, we've got one of our regular guests on the show, Michelle Archer from Archer Law, is here to talk to us all about a very topical topic at the moment. Uh, Those of you who have been watching the news will have seen a lot of... um, uh, exposés happen in Hollywood at the moment and all around sexual harassment claims around, um, I wouldn't call it sexual bullying, but uh, people using their power. And you can argue that those of you who own small businesses and maybe have employees, of course, there is a natural, um, a, a powerful, uh, I guess, stance that you have over those other people. And how do you treat those people in terms of your power over them? How do you recognise what inappropriate behaviour is? How do you recognise what bullying is between your employees, not necessarily yourself, but being able to recognise that? And that's what today's show is all about, what you can do to recognise it, what you can do to perhaps become an in- intermediary and, and maybe step in and give some give some tips and, and, and what to do if it really uh, does get out of hand and what to expect should you uh, be doing completely the wrong thing and um, find out in other ways. So it's a good good idea to be aware of this if you have any employees. In fact, it's probably a good idea to be aware of this with you and your clients and the relationship you have with them, um, not just on a physical level, but in the way you speak. I'm not trying to scare anyone out there, but it's good to keep ourselves informed and educated around matters like this. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me, Alexi. And it's a topical topic, isn't it? It is very topical at the moment with the recent uh, Hollywood scandals um, in in the sexual harassment space. But you're exactly right. It's definitely about power relationships. So you could imagine, you know, a, a manager of a shop with a couple of 16-year-olds, the power imbalance is still there. So it's really topical for all workplaces. And it's kind of a bit, um, we can't just push it under the carpet and say, well, that was what it was like back then. It's kind of okay to behave the same way now because we have evolved as a species. <laughs> we have put things in place to protect workers and, and in fact, to protect businesses against um, um, uh, undue uh, harassment claims, but also on the other end, of course, to to, to protect employees against this sort of behaviour. Yes, definitely. It's, it's um, something that um, businesses should really be aware of, not in, on a number of levels, you know, the the productivity of your workplace is going to be affected if people are being bullied. So they're just not going to work as well as what they could if they weren't were happy, healthy people. Um, we've got a duty of care towards the people to make sure that we're not injuring them. And psychological injury is just as much an injury as a you know broken leg or whatever. But more importantly, it's a liability risk to your business because if you get sued um, for discrimination, the um, the awards that are get, being given out by the courts now are just getting bigger and bigger. So it can it can be a really big financial hit if you get uh, sued for sexual harassment or any um, type of harassment under any of our discrimination laws. And I like what you mentioned there about the duty of care. It also comes down to staff turnover. It's one of the highest expenses for businesses is when people leave because they're unhappy, because they're feeling threatened, not so much threatened, but even just made to feel smaller than or not appreciated. Um, that staff turnover rate is a huge cost to small business. I mean, people are always talking about the difficulty in finding employees. Well, you need to make sure that you look after them, even if it's just one or two of you or or um, even in a contractor role, you need to make sure people are kept comfortable, safe, happy in that working yeah. environment. And it's something that is really top down, I think. Um, you you need to demonstrate the appropriate behaviours to 
your workplace. Um, if you're the boss, then you need to demonstrate those behaviours. If the boss does it, then everybody else will do it. That's as well. right, so, exactly. Lead by that, example. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're setting a bad example, then that will filter down as well. So it's really important that that, that it's a top-down um, demonstration of how to behave. Do you think that it comes a lot from... Uh, I guess the older generations know that. I didn't want to sound ageist there. That sounds wrong. But just this complacency uh, in the workforce that's always been there, that it's that it's a bit okay uh, to treat people that. It's always been that way. This is how it's always been. It's okay to make those smarmy little remarks because we're just having a joke. Do you think those days are over or is that still filtering down and the workplace is still dealing with that? Um, oh. At the risk of sounding a bit sexist myself, I, I do think that um, the vast majority of perpetrators are men. Sorry, the men out there, but that's just the fact. Um, men can be victims as well, but the vast majority of victims are women. So um, I think men don't get it. They think um, often you'll hear the excuse, I was just joking. You know, mm. doesn't she have a sense of humour? Mm. Um, so I think a lot of men don't understand and there's a lot of talk around at the moment about unconscious bias that we kind of believe that other people think the same way we do and that we can't quite appreciate their point of view. So um, a lot of the gender pay gap discussions are around, well, men just um, look for other men or people who are like them and that's why the women can't. Anyway, that's a whole different topic. Mm. But I think it's that sometimes men don't, really understand that their jokes aren't hitting their target and um, I think if you ask a lot of women they will say yeah I've been um, sexually harassed or I've had comments made at oh, me. Oh I think and, you could yeah, talk to yeah, any female yeah. who's been in any work environment yeah. for greater than 10 years yeah. you would absolutely. So uh, yeah I yeah. think you'd get very close to almost every single woman would have had an incident that they could relate to you about what happened to them whereas most men don't believe that they engage in that sort of behaviour at all. So mm -hmm. um, there's somewhere there's a disconnect between the... In the it's just communication, really. And a power struggle, I guess, because I think as women who are a little bit stronger and more outspoken in the workplace, we would easily fall into that trap of thinking, well, the top down, these guys are behaving this way, I need to fit in with the boys, I need to behave the same way, and in a way it kind of perpetrates that behaviour as being appropriate because you're um, jumping in on them as well, I guess. But it's... It, well, that's it. That's old saying about what you is the standard you walk past is the standard you accept, I suppose. But it's it's extremely difficult for people to, um, you know, speak up when they're when they're being subject to this type of behaviour. Mm. Um, they uh, they find it very difficult to speak up, and I have definitely been involved in a number of cases. And I won't kind of talk about specific in industries, but there are some industries that are notorious. And it's almost inevitably the woman who will lose, lose their job. The victim will lose their job. It's the victim that kind of has the career um, sanction. And, mm. you know, so it, it can be, it's a really difficult space. Um, but I think for a small business, when, you're, when you are small, it is something that you do, even as a small business, you do need to be aware of. Because we are subject to the same laws as Absolutely. large corporates are. So let's talk a little bit about um, the definition of discrimination, what the different yep. uh, different categories that they, I guess, fall into, just to sort of help people sure. understand what's appropriate, yeah. I guess, what, what to help recognise it. Well, when you think about it, they're pretty common sense, but um, we do have um, legislation which controls um, some of these areas. So the first one um, is race. There's a Racial Discrimination Act. 
Um, I don't know if people follow the politics, but 18C is a big topic of discussion um, uh, with the Racial Discrimination Act about um, what's, a, what's appropriate what's to appropriate. state, yeah. so that, <coughs> what you can and can't say. That's the, as yeah, well. Yeah. There's an Age Discrimination Act, uh, the Disability Discrimination Act, and, of course, the Sex Discrimination Act. And most of those would we'd sort of fall into the, the thoughts of, OK, well, when I'm hiring someone, I can't be ageist, I can't be racist, I can't be um, thinking about their, their gender bias. I, I need to be conscious of that. Um, but what we're talking about here is beyond that, the way that they are portrayed in the workforce or if they're given... Um, if one person is given a promotion over the other, can it be argued that it will happen because of a result of race, anything like that? It's yeah, not, oh, just no, not just at the point of hiring. Yeah. No, not just the point of hiring. Yeah, if, if you discriminate against them in any way because of that particular characteristic, then that can be unlawful under any Can you give act. me a couple of examples just to keep it quite simple with um, perhaps uh, where somebody may have been discriminated against on those basis, but it's not just your typical pat on the bum kind of sexual discrimination or, or sexual harassment um would it be where someone is uh you know can be uh, how can you argue that i wasn't given a promotion over another person because of mm. my skin tone i mean how do you even have that have that yeah, evidence they are, they are difficult cases for a um victim to demonstrate that's that's for sure uh usually you'll have there'll be some kind of overt comment made or something in order for there to be um, that kind of uh, case put together. They are they can be quite difficult to prove. Uh, I have had one where um, a, a gentleman who was not gay was discriminated against because he was perceived to be gay um, and that is also... Um, a form of sex discrimination. Mm. So, you know, those sorts of things can happen um, as well. Um, age is another huge one um, because we all know anecdotally that if you get made redundant when in your 50s, then it's really difficult to find another role and those sorts of things. And the Fair Work Act actually acknowledges that by giving people over 45 an extra week's notice when they're terminated from their employment. But the cases around age discrimination are there's not a lot around because again it's very hard to prove that you're not you're not being employed. For and if you can be seen to be reasons. making something redundant um, on the basis of someone's age, then you just fold that particular position and remodel it in a different position for someone else. Yeah. Is that is that how they get around it? Another one that I see probably the most is um, women being made redundant around oh. the time when they're pregnant. Uh, or coming back from maternity leave. That happens a lot. But how do um, you possibly uh, fight against that? I mean... Well, it, it very much it depends on the circumstances of each individual case. Certainly the um, Human Rights Commission is, is trying to get more women to complain about um, cases like that. Uh, but it really does depend on the individual circumstances. And there is a, a statutory obligation that they be returned to their yes. pre-parental leave role or the closest role But to if they it. never had parental leave in the first place, like you said, if they were just hitting, um, you know, that age, that period in their lives, and that's when they're made redundant, then it can be argued that that wasn't the reason behind it. It's just... <laughs> it, well, it depends on, on the employer as well. It, it, and it is quite difficult. A lot of these cases don't go forward because they're quite difficult. And I'm not trying to give, you know, employers a, a free pass saying, mm, yeah, mm. you know, you, you can get away with this. Mm. But it does happen a lot. 
Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the news, which is these unwelcome sexual advantages, advances, because I think that that is, um, I don't want to say a grey area, it sounds... It sounds a bit wishy-washy, but uh, I guess what was acceptable in the past uh, perhaps might be seen to be acceptable now. What What is classed as sexual harassment under our jurisdiction where we are now in terms of employment law and in terms of harassment and, and discrimination law? Okay. Well, the Sex Discrimination Act actually defines sexual harassment. Um, and without boring your listeners, I do think it's probably worth reading that definition hmm. out. Um, so what it says is that a person sexually harasses another person if the person makes an unwelcome sexual advance or an unwelcome request for sexual favours to that person harassed. Even a date? Well, that's a bit of a grey area because it's got to be unwelcome. Right. Um, so if you say, hey, would you like to have a drink with me? And that person goes, oh, yes, that'd be great. Then that's not necessarily <laughs> unwelcome. But you're not going to know unless you make the offer. I think if that person was to say, no, I don't, but you persist. Yes, yes, yes. Then in know, the workplace yeah, environment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Using your position um, of power. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> and if your name is Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a whole different yeah. thing. But yeah. Or engages in other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature in relation to the person harassed in circumstances in which a reasonable person, having regard to all the circumstances, would have anticipated the possibility that the person harassed would be offended, humiliated, or intimidated. So, in your scenario about the date, um, you know, you would kind of think a reasonable, you know, it's not it's not unlawful to, you know, date, well, unless your workplace has a policy against it, but it's uh-huh. not unlawful to date someone at work. Um, but if that's going to be conduct that a reasonable person would see as being offensive or intimidating, then that is... Um, so this is where we get into a really wishy-washy, grey, like almost off-white kind of area, because are we not just talking about perception here? Because if you're in kind of a an environment in which it's okay and it's frequent that people date one another and there's lots of relationships flying around the office and that's okay and everybody else says it's okay and it's okay for them. They kind of got harassed, not harassed, but they kind of got asked many times to date. So I'm now going to ask you many times to date me because that's kind of what it's been like in the... Is that not a perception and how can that person say that it was a problem for them when it wasn't a problem for anyone else and that's how we behave in this workplace? Yeah, look, a lot of workplaces will will not allow you to enter into relationships with for others. For this reason, for this maybe, reason, yeah. Because yeah. when it all goes horribly wrong, mm-hmm. um, then, it, you, know, it, you know, it can devolve into um, problems for the employer. I think your, the answer to your question is many times. If you ask someone out and they say no, then you stop. Mm. You know, it's, it's just pretty common sense. Mm. Not many of the cases are about that sort of... Thing, although I have come across in years gone by about, you know, an affair gone wrong <laughs> and, they, you know, and, and, and people being demoted or jobs changed after the relationship's over. Right, so a very that, clear yeah, distinction between before and after effects. caused problems. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think most of the cases that come out and I think most of the situations that, that arise the unwelcome aspect of it is usually pretty clear. Mm, and I guess um, the people around you 
would also be a good gauge of that. I think um, coming back to the situation where you've got someone who's got a, a small working environment, maybe five or six employees, you need to be involved in that workplace. You need to be on the ground. You need to be observing what's going on because if every single person is reporting to you, which is often the case in small business, you're the one who has that duty of care for your employees. Um, it's not their responsibility to say that they've seen something inappropriate. I guess it's your responsibility to be aware what's going on in the office. A lot of business owners are out there on, you know, hitting hitting the, the town and having meetings and trying to build up business. They're not actually in the office environment. So can they argue that, well, I just wasn't aware that it was going on? I guess that's not a defence, is it? Because you have a duty of care to your employees? Uh, yeah, I don't think that would be much of a defence. I think they, I think you're exactly right. I think the manager or the boss or the owner really does need to be involved with the business and to know what's going on. Uh, but I don't exactly agree that the employees have no obligation to to just ignore things if things are happening. Mm-hmm. I think we all have a bit of an obligation because I think you need to also recognise that if someone is being bullied or harassed and bullied, not necessarily sexual harassment, but if they're being bullied or sexually harassed in any way, they often will be very disempowered and unable to make a complaint for themselves. Mm. So you you really sometimes do need to have the other employees telling you, hey, you know, Susie's, you know, being rude to Peter or, you know, whatever the case may be. Because if you're not aware, then, you know, you, you can't deal with it. I mean, you've always got to have the right policies. You should have policies in place. But policies are not worth the paper they're written on if you're not enforcing them. So you do need to actively encourage people to tell you if things, you know... It, and you can recognise bullying when you see it most mm, of the time. Mm. If people are being bullied or if people are being sexually harassed, that you're aware of it. Sounds to me like communication is very much the key, as we say a lot of times in small business as well. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking about uh, a topic which we were saying uh, just before the break is very pertinent to small business because, um, as we mentioned before, it's important that we as small business owners are aware of what's going on. Uh, we have a duty of care to our employees to make sure that they are nur- not so much nurtured but cared for, that they don't feel intimidated or uh, and they're also feeling that they want to remain because th- there's nothing more expensive than, than staff turnover to a an, uh, to an, uh, business as well. So we talked a little bit before the break about um, the definitions of, of discrimination and also broadly and, and also uh, sexual harassment. But we could talk a little bit about bullying now, Michelle. Um, I'm going to give you an example, which is my example, with my example of being bullied. And I have a lot of my friends say to me, what, how, how, did, how does someone like you, I'm not a wallflower, I'm not a, you know, I don't just sit there quietly. I don't ever sit anywhere quietly. Um, but it did happen. And what I found quite amazing was this particular person, uh, it was insidious, it was slow, it was, um, I wouldn't say it was calculated because I don't feel that it was a deliberate uh, bullying incident, but it happened over time and it worsened and the people around her didn't have the power to tell her that she wasn't behaving correctly. In fact, even the person who owned this company didn't feel that he had the power because she was a very powerful um, personality, let's say, and she was very moody. She was very um, not very nice person to be around anyway. So nobody really wanted to up-tip her on a daily basis. But the little quips and the little remarks and the nasty little comments got worse and worse and worse until I actually felt physically sick every time I'd go into work. And that's not a good place to be. Um, what I found quite 
incredible was that even when I brought it up with my uh, with my boss, he didn't know what to do. Um, and I think that's that's a big problem with business owners. Would you agree, Michelle? They just they've confronted with this, and they a can't believe it's happening because I have such a great bunch of people working for me, and it's such a great place to work because I'm I don't know that because I'm never there. But they're not the ones who are being inflicted with these comments and the, this nastiness. So they don't feel the emotion. Is there is there a certain level of um, of I don't know, sensitivity that you need as a business owner to help understand how how your business, your employees might be feeling? Uh, I think you need to get an appreciation of the power difference that can go on. And particularly if you've got young people working for you, how damaging it can be. Bullying, unlike sexual harassment, has to be repeated behaviour. Um, so sexual harassment, you can, you can, you know, you, th- obviously there could be a, a one-off, mm. quite violent assault or mm. something, mm. which could give rise to sexual harassment claim. But bullying has to be repeated behaviour. So if it's repeated behaviour, then you've got opportunities to see it going on or, or to find out about it um, before it. it and gets I had to document as the victim. I felt I needed to re-empower myself. So a friend of mine who was a lawyer said, "Look, just document things on the day and the time that they happen. What was said." It, however small they are, because right now, yeah. even the tiniest of things is massive because of the repetitive nature of the behaviour. Yes, that's right. Um, and it's very good a very good idea to, your lawyer friend gave you good advice to document <laughs> things. I'm surprised you weren't doing it anyway, Lexi, yeah. knowing you. <laughs> well, this is the thing, I had been so intimidated and I had been, I really had the legs taken out from yeah. underneath me. This is, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not I'm, I'm the same personality yeah. I was back then and I would walk into work with my, my shoulders hunched over. I'd just sit down at my desk very because she was behind me. Yeah. They're right there and if yeah. they're there every day, day and, and isn't night. isn't it amazing how disempowering it, it Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Yeah. So and that, it can happen in any workplace. Yes. And there have been examples. Um, there was definitely one in Victoria that was well publicised of young people committing suicide mm. as a result of bullying in the workplace and you know they weren't large organisations. So it is a really important topic and not something to be ignored. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you're right that they do need to have a bit of a sensitivity, but also people need to. There have been cases of kind of bullying up as well, mm. um, and perhaps your boss was a bit bullied yeah, from, from would, the other person. That's exactly right. Um, to the point well. where his his solution is hilarious. His solution was to bring in some guy who I don't even think was necessarily qualified to do what he was doing, and he gave us a 45 minute talk about bullying and all through it this particular person who had been the perpetrator kept on saying this is so me and we're all sitting there going yes yes yes, actually it it is is. (laughs) this was for you but it was ridiculous that we all had to waste 45 minutes of our time when to me all that needed to happen was this person had to be sat down and said this 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 and this is not acceptable and you either change or you leave yeah now in the end she ended up resigning but again, that was her choice. Yes. When I yeah. think that there would have been grounds to basically say, this is your first strike, you know, this mm. is your warning. Bullying can be a tough area that, you know, I've definitely come across cases where um, people on the, you know, quote unquote, receiving end of the bullying have have been o- too oversensitive themselves and they weren't really being bullied at all. They might just been being managed or mm. things like that. So it is, that is a real grey area. Um, you know, on any, on, on the end of the spectrum, you know, if people are yelling and screaming and bashing the walls, I mean, obviously that's 
bullying, but yes. there can be grey areas just as there is with um, with sexual harassment. But um, yeah, you you do need to have a sensitivity, not just about you know the perpetrator, but also are, are the victims or you know, alleged victims being too oversensitive mm. to remarks that are being made? That's right. And are there other? I mean. You have to be careful, I guess, for bringing outside influences and what's happening in their lives outside of. Yeah. And then everyone's got their ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, it is hard. It's hard to manage people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, as a boss, it is when you, you haven't got any uh, formal training. You're not a, you're not a management yeah. consultant. You are put into this role. Your business is growing fast. You need to get people in who are good. You, have rely, you need to rely on these people. And sometimes it's hard to micromanage certain mm. situations and relationships between the two which you so desperately yeah. need to work because you've got good people working yeah. for you they're just not very nice people yeah. <laughs> in the case in my yeah. case so what what is the what should be a good process that an, an employer could follow um obviously good communication and good policies to begin with um always maybe mentioning to people during KPI chats or other opportunities that you know guys I heard about this happen in another business. It's not appropriate. If something like that happens, please let me know. Is it is that a good starting point? Um, yes, definitely. All of those things, policies and all of those things. I also think like actually calling something out at the time is a really powerful thing. I mean, if, if someone says something in your earshot that you think, oh, you know, you, know, you don't have to be nasty about it, but just say, you know, hey, Bob, you know, that might have been a bit, a bit close, you know. Yeah. You know, maybe not. Quite you don't that have to rude yell. or yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, you have really good internet and social media policies. You know, if even if you're on receiving a sexually explicit email and you forward it on, then you are engaging in sexual harassment. Mm. You know, just just it's no excuse to say, oh, such and such sent that to me or whatever. So, just you know, people need to understand that um, in our new technological world that any of those sort of behaviours as well, even there have been cases where people have posted things on social media outside of work. And that's still yeah. considered workplace It can harassment. be. It, 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 again, it, it depends on the particular circumstances and what's what's been said and, and what's been done. But there have been instances where things on social media have um, impacted the workplace. Mm -hmm. oh, so social media policy is very important to have. And when we mentioned that, we, we've talked about this before on the show, the importance of having um, a staff document that outlines what your expectations are with relation to policies and procedures, even as simple things as, you know, what you're expected to do when you work and leave the office, perhaps talking about grooming and, and you know, how you should be dressed appropriately, not formal, but, you know, all those things that you outline as expectations. And that's a document that can always be um, changed and, and updated as long yeah. as you make sure that yeah. your staff know. Yeah. So that's that's the document that should be a, almost a working document for your employment. Yeah, look, I think so. I actually think the conduct of the boss and the management in the workplace is more important than the piece of paper. Mm. Uh, what they, like what I said before, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. And I think you also have to understand that even though people might smile or laugh at jokes doesn't mean they're not being offended or humiliated because it's like there, there is real peer pressure in work to conform. Mm -hmm. And if you are at the bottom of the pile and the boss is telling a sexist joke, you know, it, the most common reaction is to go, oh, yeah, funny. But, you know, you're still, 
perpetrating that behaviour. So it's just best to kind of have a zero tolerance to all of that sort of stuff. I don't want to be the fun police, yeah. but, you know... I love fun police. I'm yeah. a big fan of fun police. I think, uh, well, it's not... And it's not it's not necessarily... You know, some people out there might be listening and say, well, this is all about political correctness gone mad. It's like, well, no, it's, it's more about providing an environment for your employees in which they feel safe, unthreatened non-bullied and therefore productive Mm. yeah it's best for business really what we're talking about here and um you know as i said before the damages going that have been awarded for you know the obviously the more extreme end of the of the spectrum but you know there have been in excess of a hundred thousand dollars so it can be a huge um impact if you get sued um for any of these things so it's it's very important and i like it doesn't mean you can't you can't say anything you know you just need to be sensible about you know how what what jokes there are what what's up on the on the notice board Mm. those sorts of things and remembering that you're a leader remembering that you're the one as you mentioned before that you're the one leading by example that um if you dictate that that's that's not appropriate, then everybody else will fall into line because it's your business. It's not theirs, it's yours. Yeah. And, and you are the top of the totem pole. And it's actually... Use a, your power for good. And it's like the safety and health of your employees is very important in, in this space, but also in a physical space. You know, it's just like, you know, the boss should walk through the office and make sure there's no tripping hazards or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's, it's all about that kind of, you know, the belief that safety is important. Mm. Um, just on your point on political correctness, I kind of I hear that a lot, um, but I also think it's just it's just good manners not to run around intimidating and harassing people. <laughs> it's not necessarily political correctness. It's actually good for business, and it's good for your staff, and it's good for the health of your staff, and and it's it's good not to be sued. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for your business. Good for me, line. but <laughs> yeah. it's not good for anyone else. <laughs> so that that's an interesting point actually about um about the 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 process the end of result could be that you could have a, a great big enormous fine and it could break your business in terms of what that that's it that's your bottom line gone. So the steps are be aware, be, be lead from example. If something happens and someone approaches you and said, look, this is this is what's happened. Document what they're talking about and what you're, you're stating now. Maybe um, have a plan, document what your plan's going to be, sit down with the perpetrator. And is it the same as other employment law issues where you have a, you have, you have given them fair warning, you have you have given them, what is grounds for immediate dismissal? I guess what well, I'm saying. Well, sexual harassment, depending on what it is, is is potentially ground for immediate dismissal because mm-hmm. it's misconduct. It's not a performance issue. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a misconduct. Mm-hmm. And it's a misbehaviour in the workplace. It doesn't necessarily need to lead to to termination. And I think it's actually a great day to be talking about this being Melbourne Cup Day where there's going to be lots of alcohol flowing later on. But I um I was involved in a matter where somebody said something something to someone at a Christmas party. Christmas parties are notorious uh, for these kind of issues. Were, was it on site, may I ask? Was it actually on site or was it an actual work function? No, it was, was a work function. Right, yeah, so it might have no, been. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, the victim of their, or the receiver of the remark was very upset. But what actually ended up happening was the employer talked to the perpetrator, talked to the um, victim she didn't want there to be a termination, but there was a there was sort of a, an internal discussion about what what would happen, and obviously they were getting advice from me. And what ended up happening was he was disentitled from receiving a bonus that okay. year. 
okay? So, like, you know, he made a, a, a remark. I mean, he, was, he didn't touch anyone or do anything inappropriate like that. So everybody was really quite happy with that result. So, you know, he learned a lesson. He didn't lose his job. Um, she was satisfied that, that, you know, she didn't want him to lose his job, but she was satisfied that the employer had dealt with it appropriately. Mm. And so, everyone remained. Yeah. No, so, no staff you know, were lost. It, no, if there's any kind of inappropriate touching or assault or anything like that, then, you know, that could be grounds for, mm. for a dismissal. Um, so but, this you know, is a good d- opportunity. It doesn't necessarily have to end that way. Mm. Um, but when you've got a, a situation like that where he admitted that he'd said something inappropriate and he had apologised and, you know, so like that kind of situation... She didn't want him to lose his job, but she did want there to be a consequence of what had happened. She was terribly upset about what had happened. So I think if you if you can, again, communication is key, talk to all the parties, then a resolution might present itself that satisfies everybody rather than, you know, immediately jumping to termination. Um, perhaps, if, I mean, that I guess that is a warning to that uh, gentleman in itself, the, the fact that there was a sanction against him. Um, so... Yes, I guess you could go through a warning process. It depends on how severe it is, um, but you you would you would the the beauty of that solution was that the victim was informed and advised about what was going to happen and, and empowered. She was and mm. she was happy about that result and she consented to that result. Mm. So you know that 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 was the key to that solu- to that solution. Yeah, look, and it's a great example as well of of something that where everyone has remained happy, everyone has remained in the workforce and and it has resolved itself, which is really good news. Look, we're going to take a short break and when we come back after this, I want to have a chat to you about um, the role of um, uh, the legal counsel in terms of mediation to try and, like you did in Mm -hmm. that example, bring things together. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking about... Uh, harassment and bullying in the workforce. We've been talking a little bit before the break about the importance of being aware as an employer, leading by example, keeping the open line of communication so you can be conscious of what's going on. Even when you're not present in the office, you always open to communication with other people, letting you know what's going on. And also calling things out when it's not right. I mean, I think it's a really good point what you're saying earlier, Michelle, is that you should be the one who, if you hear something, it's a bit bit off or not quite on the money or not appropriate that you're the one calling it out straight away because these things apart from um you know very severe incidents they're often quite insidious and they're quite incremental in the in the harassment and the bullying something that's acceptable one day then everybody ups the ante and it gets a bit worse and worse and worse um is that often used as an argument by the perpetrators to say, look, I, I thought it was okay, it's always been like this. Is it? Is that pretty common? Yes, very common. Oh, yeah, everybody tells jokes like that. Or, mm. yeah, she was laughing, so I thought she thought it was funny or, you know, whatever. That's very, very common. And what's the role of um, someone such as yourself in the mediation process? Obviously, if it goes all the way to court for an unfair dismissal case and we're talking about fines and the worst case scenario, that's that's a different kettle of fish where you're representing, I presume, either one party or the other. But in the meantime, I presume that the law courts like it when there's mediation going on and there's people stepping in of a professional nature to support incidences like this? Well, when a complaint is made to either the Human Rights Commission or the Fair Work Commission, there is a, a, a step. The fir- very first step is a conciliation or a mediation in, in either of those paths. And so, do they facilitate that? Yes, right. yes. So it, 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 and it's compulsory. It must be done. Um, however, be, but before you kind of get to the 
to someone actually launching legal proceedings, um, we can help with investigating a complaint or interviewing um, witnesses, those sorts of things. And also, you know, as I said to you before, trying to assist with getting a solution that is suitable to all parties. Sometimes there is no solution and, you know, someone is going to be terminated for misconduct if it's bad enough. But mm. yeah, um, just assisting the client with working out what, what I've got this complaint, what should I do? Mm. Um, and the first thing that you must do is investigate it and you must work out, well, is it is it true? Is it not true? Is it substantiated? Have other people witnessed it? And those sorts of things. So we can assist with taking statements, doing an investigation and that. And it's another one of those incidences where, you know, you don't try and pull your own tooth out, you get help, you make sure you get a professional in to do the things that you may not necessarily, and then you then you know you've covered all your bases. Yeah. Look, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But on the flip side of that, I've had some matters where, you know, it's, you know, neon, flashing, lights, bullying is <laughs> happening here and the, the client comes and goes, oh, I want you to investigate this. I'm thinking of one in particular where an anonymous complaint was made about the board and about how the board conducted their board meetings and there was yelling and thumping and screaming and carrying on <laughs> and the you know the board came to me and wanted me to investigate and I'm saying but this happened at the board meeting you've like you've already seen it hmm. don't you like was it bullying did it happen oh yes it happened well then what's to well, investigate well, what, what do you need me for you know like sometimes it's just as plain as the nose on your face and it's common sense and you don't need an investigation you know what's happened and you know um but it but when you that more insidious kind of there's the jokes that build up or the incremental type behaviors then you yeah you, you may not be fully aware of everything that's gone on and sometimes people don't want to tell the boss either you know so you the third party yeah, is helpful mm. if it's if there's something you know you might have done the very best you can to try and um, make sure that you've got a safe and healthy workplace, but something's bubbling there under the surface. You may not necessarily know each time. Mm. The other point I should make before it's a bit off topic, um, but employees can be in, um, sued directly as well for sexual harassment. So you can't just say, oh, well, it's my employer's problem. They can be sued and I won't. Mm. Um, but you can be, the, the perpetrator can be sued as well. So, you know, you. Outside of the workforce. So, what you're saying is somebody, if, if someone is. No, so if, if, if there's a person sexually harassing someone in the workplace, then the, the victim can sue both the employer and the perpetrator. Right. So, it's not just that, you know, oh, well, it doesn't matter because nothing's going to come out of my pocket. Mm. Um, the individual can be sued as well. Right. Okay. And that's, that's an important thing to note. Yeah. So, they've gone through the process of mediation. If the parties are still not content with what's happened and there hasn't been any solution. Um, and w when does it get to the point where it goes to court, I guess is what I'm asking. Is, okay. it, is it when appropriate action hasn't been taken? And So this is when um, discrimination matters separate out from bullying matters. Mm -hmm. So with, if it's bullying um, and it's not based on a, on a discriminatory reason, so not race, age, sex related, um, then but it's just, you know, one person doesn't like another person and there's bullying going on then that can go to the Fair Work Commission. The Fair Work Commission has the power, so they will conciliate, mm -hmm. um, but if that's not resolved, then they've got the power to make orders aimed at stopping the bullying. Mm -hmm. And it's literally that, to try and stop the bullying. It's not compensatory. So there's no compensation paid as a result of that. Um, 
whereas discrimination matters are um, aimed at getting compensation. So um, you can go to either the Human Rights Commission or the Fair Work Commission and there's a conciliation process in both of those and then both of those end up in the federal court. So, and that is about getting compensation. Right, okay. So it's important so they're, they're, to know the difference. Bit, yeah, they're a bit different. And uh, if if that, that bullying situation where... I mean, you did mention that, that horrendous situation where someone did um, unfortunately take their lives down in Victoria. Did that change laws in terms of bullying? Um, did Was there an overhaul as a result of that or was it a, a test case or mm, yeah, a precedent? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there were some changes um, in Victoria. I think there might have been... Um, Industrial man's um, I'm not actually I shouldn't say I'm not sure mm-hmm. um, I think but I think there were some changes in that state but the federal system has now has the bullying jurisdiction which is relatively new um, and so that as I said designed to make orders to stop bullying so, so the- there's not a lot of cases that have come out of that yet mm. um, and but we are aware that cases are going through and being settled um, and sometimes the commission will find that bullying didn't take place at all so it's it, it but it's still fairly new. Mm, which is why it's so important at any stage that, that things are documented because you never know when, I guess, down the track that things yep. can escalate yep. or someone could bring it up from yep. years down the track. And the Commission will have wanted there to have been an investigation internally before you go to the Commission. So it's not like bullying has happened and the person will immediately go to the Commission. That The person should really have gone to their employer first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you will you will be aware of it before, you know, you're not going to get a, a summons from the commission and not know anything about it. Because the commission, when they're being called by the employee, is probably telling them you need to go back to your employer, take this, this and this step. Yeah. Um, and then... And do, try and, try and deal get a resolution internally. internally. Yeah. Yep. Um, what if the boss is the one perpetrating? How does that employee then go back to them and have that discussion? Mm. Does it skip that step? Um, well, you should. You're supposed to try. Uh, I guess that that's an area for um, advocates like lawyers to get to be that kind of middle person as well. Mm. Uh, but that's but that's across the board, not just small business. I mean, oftentimes you will find in larger businesses the person who's being bullied will make a bullying complaint about their immediate manager, and mm. their immediate manager is the person who will investigate it. So that's it happens crazy. a lot. Makes so, no sense. Uh, yeah. So with the, the just to help the, everyone to distinguish the sexual the the discrimination act is that's the one that goes to the courts. Yeah, so there's four different acts. Mm-hmm. There's the race discrimination, mm-hmm. the age, the sex and the disability. Mm-hmm. Um so they if you want to make a complaint under any of those, you go to the Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. They will mediate and then it will go to the federal court. Right. Okay. There's also a section under the Fair Work Act where you cannot um, take adverse action against someone because of their race, religion, etc. Um, and that will go to the Fair Work Commission and can be conciliated. And again, if that doesn't resolve, that will go to the Federal Court or the Federal Circuit Court. If they can, can they go both simultaneously? Or uh, no, more... you you'd normally do one or the other. Right. Um, but the New, New South Wales also has an anti-discrimination act as well and they've got an anti-discrimination tribunal and you can also go there, although most people will take the federal path. Really? Yeah. Uh, to me that just seems like really full on when you've got the opportunity to do something that's more state-based. There's some limits to what you can claim under the state. Um, there's no cap uh, on what you can claim under the other 
uh, the others. So okay. Yeah, so with regards to those people who take um, employers to court um, under the under those discrimination acts, they are looking for generally in your experience they're looking for grounds of um, recompense is that really what what they what they're trying to do is is get compensated for the loss of income or or the yeah, change well, to mean, career that, that's what the law provides for yeah monetary compensation so there are more yeah. scenarios where people have already either lost their jobs or not had a promotional i'm just trying to think of real life examples in which that is is different from a, a scenario which is happening in the workplace you can obviously. make those claims what you don't have to have been terminated mm-hmm. you can make those claims uh, the fair work act you know doesn't specify that you have to have been terminated to make a claim so it's it's what's called adverse action so in your previous example, you may not have got a promotion um, because of um, one of those discriminatory elements. Um, but, you know, most of the cases are around termination. Yeah, for, for unfair termination, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, I, my brain is completely full. That's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much for sharing all your knowledge with us. Hopefully, um, both the employees and the employers out there, whether you've got staff or not, it's a really good idea to arm yourselves with knowledge as small business owners. I mean, many of us out there are considering taking on staff and you need to be conscious of all of these um, requirements that you have as, as an employer and your duty of care and all, all those things that are wrapped up with it. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Now, Michelle, where can people um, find out more about you should they wish to look into your services? Uh, well, you can look in my on my website, www.archerlaw.com.au or just email me at michelle, that's two L's, at archerlaw.com.au. That's wonderful. And thank you very much. For, we'll have you on the show again in the next couple of months talking more about more legal stuff that that's the hat I do not have. <laughs> I'm not trying to scare people, but, you know, really common sense, you know, mm. most of the time you, you can pick the behaviours that you really shouldn't be encouraging. Yes, good to know, good to know. Well, thank you very much once again. I will see you all next week uh, for another bout of Small Biz Matters. It's been great talking to you all and I hope you have a productive and wonderful week. Speak soon.